Wow. Two weeks in a row. Do you have the cutter? Uh, no. Oh, here it is. There it is. Okay. All right. Well, we did it. Yeah. Barely, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The thing Barely. they don't show you is the uh, disagreements you get in before the podcast is recording. Yeah, or attachment ruptures. Attachment trauma bond ruptures. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember when we used to just call them fights? Yeah. Now we're more sophisticated. It's like pronouns. It's like, that wasn't a fight. That was that a- was just me getting triggered by, <laughs> by my trauma from my past. Yeah. It is more sophisticated and accurate, actually. It is. Yeah. I don't know if it makes it any easier. Maybe it does a little bit because you kind of know more what's going on. I think on. it does because in a fight, we used to always... Um, Blame the other person? Yes. <laughs> and we used to see each other as the enemy. Mm-hmm. And now... If the other would just change, then everything would be okay. And now we're realizing that a lot of this stuff is really has nothing to do with the other person at all. Yeah. Big surprise. All right, hang on. I'm going the cigar. Are you smoking yeah. yeah, I'm smoking tonight. My second cigar for the day. I have a much thicker cigar than Ben. But you picked this one out for me. Do you think I needed a big one? It's not the size. They say it's how you use it. <laughs> um... I guess I'm supposed to like. It'll be might be helpful for you guys to know that. How's my framing look at this picture? Um, it might be helpful for you guys to know that this is like these are our podcasts. So if you just want to listen to the audio, you can get it on like basically all the places you can get podcasts, like Google and Spotify and iTunes. Or if you're listening to one of those places and you want to see the video, it's on YouTube as well. All right. Um, okay, I wanted to have this segment. We don't have a name for it yet, where I basically tell you the behind the scenes of the podcast and basically give my long list of excuses as to why the podcast sucks, which I know serves me more than it serves you. But either way, here we are. And I have the microphone. Oh, shit. We need to do an intro. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. So... The way this podcast works is we have like a certain amount of motivation to do it and a certain amount of resources, namely time and emotional bandwidth. Because they don't cost anything. I don't pay anyone to do anything. But but I actually don't mind the actual podcast. Like sitting here and talking to you is great. Mm-hmm. It's the like setting up the camera, setting up GarageBand, testing the microphones. That takes like 20 or 30 minutes. Then the post-production takes like probably an hour to 
get the video and the audio uploaded, synced, named, titled, scheduled, published, all that. Mm-hmm. And we don't make any money at this, um, which isn't entirely true because the last episode, I think, yeah. made $18. What? Which at least pays for our cigars. Wow. Which is way more than I was expecting. But I think that's because we talked about your pronoun changing. And I gave it a sexy title, like homeschool mom changes mm-hmm. pronouns or mm-hmm. something like that. So sexy. So I don't know if we're going to get our cigars paid for today. But in the behind the scenes segment, what I was going to tell people is that in my ideal world, I have this like podcast that would ha- like have all this information and be outlined and thorough and organized and I would prepare it. Which you've done that for past podcasts before. Yeah, but I'm not there now. Basically, yeah. if I were to do that, it would mean... It wouldn't, we wouldn't have a podcast. This wouldn't be happening. So the alternative is we turn the cameras on, we loosely pick a topic, and you get what you get, which might actually be better in some ways. I don't know. I mean, you guys get to decide. It's a different flow this is more organic yeah so today's topic is the role of inspiration in education probably the number one question we get is what do you guys do for school with your kids Mm -hmm. which in one perspective i always tell people we do unschooling or AKA nothing. Yeah, you say nothing a lot. Because when I think about the what people think about when they're talking about yeah. school, yeah. we literally do nothing. Mm-hmm. I, people think of school as reading, writing, and arithmetic, and they think of homeschooling as doing reading, writing, and arithmetic at home. So where there was math lessons and reading lessons at school, now there's math lessons and reading lessons at home. Shoot, I forgot to turn off the heat. Um, Which isn't entirely true with our 10-year-old, Felia, has some learning differences that I found. Because normally I would just, like, teach our kids how to read with like, just this, like, book that I have. But that wasn't working for her. So we had to outsource that. And that outsourcing is turning out to be quite the, like, I don't know, tutor, educational. She's getting a lot of, like, pretty cool, like, education in that, in that like, formal sense. But it's still at this person's house, and it's usually outside. <laughs> so that was a D, that just to disclaimer everyone else pretty much no idea what you're disclaiming you're saying that fully does school mm-hmm. oh, yeah okay sure meaning yeah she has a person that does f- more of a formal organized lesson plan for what three hours a week four hours a week yeah okay <laughs> so still on the lower side of uh, still yeah i guess but it's like one-on-one so. yeah okay um, but with our other kids, um, and for most of Flea's life, we haven't done anything in the same way that people think of traditional education. 
But I feel great about that, and I wanted to share why. And I'm going to break this podcast up into two main categories so far, unless you change things. Never know. One of those categories, I, I want to make the case for why I think some of our ideas are better for education and why they're better for making money, mm-hmm. which is different from education, but it's also important. And I'm also going to say, <clears throat> I'm not um, trying to pit these ideas against either formal education via public school or homeschool. My hope is that some of you guys hearing this will, um, you know, maybe hear about some things you haven't thought of and then implement it into your own family or children's lives, however the heck you want to. Mm-hmm. And I think they could go alongside public education fine. Yeah. So to get into this, I think we're going to have to tell a story a little bit mm-hmm. of our schooling method. Um, I don't think we need to get into our childhoods so much. <laughs> yeah. But when we we started off with our kids in public school, Dove at least, or For, they did preschool. Yeah, they did preschool. Dove and Eden did, and then Dove did kindergarten. And then we decided to homeschool predominantly for lifestyle and relationship reasons. At least that's why I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it because I started to believe that I don't even want to get into it, but I'll just leave it at that. Um, so we did that for, I would say what, four or five from years. Uh, I would say, yeah, 2007 till 2012. Okay, pretty rigorously too. Mm-hmm. Like we joined a co-op, we're teaching our kids Latin and history. And... Say rigorously, but I I felt like I was never able to like keep up with whatever we signed up for, whether it was a curriculum I bought or a co-op I joined up with. I mean, we joined up with this like co-op that was called Classical Conversations, and it was like co-op on crack as far as just like the the um standard of like what you're supposed to do was like a lot i thought it's like super kids both in academic and moral sense they're like reading the next Aryan like race they're doing like rhetoric or i don't know we didn't we never even got that far with like by the it was just talking about the trivium concept or something, yeah. There was like, which is like it's classical education, which is three stages of development. Yeah. Which whatever it was, I remember feeling like I don't get this. I so therefore I don't know how I'm gonna impart this to my kids. Like I don't know. I just remember feeling I always felt behind. So during this time, though, I will hand it to them. Our kids were learning a shit ton of. Facts. Facts. About like history, like the English language, like, you know, that type, like grammar. Probably math, geography. Math, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the positive side. But the negative side was we felt like it was wearing us out. 
It was wearing me out, us out, and I wouldn't be surprised if it also was kind of taking a toll on the kids because I felt like the expectations were just like through the roof as far as like what it wasn't just learning. It was like, well, it was learning, but it was like you learn. It was like you need to learn this. And it was like a lot of stuff. And I think some kids probably get like that kind of stuff. And then there's probably a lot of kids who don't like that kind of learning. And regardless, even if you are the type of kid that does like it, there's probably times at which you don't. Because it's just like you don't get to like decide. It's like not really a choice of yours. Well, it's put on you. And then, of course, like not so much in homeschooling, but still there's equivalents of like tests where you have to like cram and yeah. there's stress and pressure. And there's like this feeling of co- competition of like. I remember Dove coming to me. She was probably, I don't know, nine or 10 years old, just telling me like, I don't feel like I'm doing this very well. And I think there's like other kids that are doing it so much better than me. And that's just like, that's a hard, I think that's a hard place to be as a kid to like want to learn and to thrive if you feel like you're constantly like behind other kids. I don't know. I was definitely a kid that felt that a lot, even just in the like public school. So anyways, we're extreme parents and the way we dealt with this, well, I read this book that inspired me to rethink education for our kids. And it was called a Thomas Jefferson education. I'm not sure if I recommend it, but it was helpful for us at the time. And I do think it, it's a good book if you're wanting to get another idea about education. And they were just saying like pretty basically that if your kid graduates high school and knows 12 years of what they learn in high school, but is not motivated to learn, you've lost as a parent or educator. And the kid loses. Everyone loses, yeah. Yeah. So 12 years is all you get. Um, And I want to say lose compared to what? Compared to if after a 12th grade education, the kid may or may not have learned some facts, but is excited and and has a desire and is inspired to learn for the rest of their life, you basically have like another 70 years of learning that they're going to get, which is more of a win. And and I'm simplifying, it's not black or white, it's not either or, but this was the basic premise of the book was instead of forcing facts down your kids' throats for 12 years, how can we gear our education towards getting kids excited and essentially like learning how to learn. Yeah. So the way our family dealt with that was we were so ingrained with this educational pressure Mm -hmm. that we decided to take a year off of school, like everything. It happened to, I, I feel like the catalyst for this is we like lost a baby uh in utero and then do you remember this like you were working a ton at the the business you co-owned with some other people we won't mention them (laughs) 
And then you came, and then we lost the, the baby, and then you came home and and took time off work, and then re- it's like we kind of had like a come to Jesus moment, and back then it really was a come to Jesus moment. But um, where what I mean by that is we were just like, what are we doing with our lives? Like what? And part so a big part of that was you wanted to work less, and we wanted to pull our kids from formal education, like, i.e. even homeschool. Do you remember this? No. You remember it happening kind of around, it was the same, at least that's my memory of it. Like, that was like the catalyst. I'm not surprised at all. I've just never put that together. But um, a lot of other things came in that moment too, so they wouldn't yeah, surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely around the same time period so so we took this year off took this year off and it was a very transformative year yeah it really was it was huge one when you just step off the hamster wheel and you breathe which by the way i was scared to death to do this i remember feeling so yeah scared but then at simultaneously so relieved it was this weirdest you were like our feeling kids, what if our kids are behind and blah 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 yeah and i'm like what if we mess them up completely because the script in my mind was you have to do a b c d e f g with education if you don't you're you're a horrible parent your kids are going to be fucked and they're going to hate you which you know what i thought about like you know it helps me I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but okay. So, what grade are you supposed to be in ninth grade, or what age are you supposed to be in ninth grade? Fifteen. Okay, so let's say you're fifteen. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, let's say you take a whole year off. So now you're sixteen. Okay. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, you can just pretend like you're fifteen. Yeah. Right? Like it literally doesn't matter what. I mean, I guess if you're like a forty-year-old in high school, that'd be a little weird. Yeah. But like. The ages, what age you need to be in and what grade it's you need arbitrary. to be in, it's completely arbitrary. But it's, it is arbitrary, but there's pressure. Like at that age, to be a 16-year-old surrounded by 15-year-olds or vice versa, actually, yeah, whatever, it matters. But I think it's only psychological. to me. That was me. I, I had one of those weird ages where I could have gone in either oh, grade. Oh, yeah. And my mom held me back a year. Because according to her, she, she wanted to hang out birthday. with me more. So I was the oh, oldest kid sense. in all my classes. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I didn't even know. And I didn't even care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I maybe got a mustache before other kids in fifth grade. Mm. See, I knew there was a catch to this. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but like fitting in in that environment, not just because it's kids, although I think but it's the environment, like, if you don't fit in, it, like, is really hard for the kid. Sure. But it's all make-believe. It's all make-believe, yes. Like, no one can actually, they don't, like, DNA test you or they don't, like, carbon date your skin. <laughs> and they're like, this one's coming in at 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with them? Okay. So, we took a year off. It was amazing. We got off the hamster wheel, and the biggest, there was a number of lessons from that year, but one of them was that everyone was just like, 
okay. Yeah. It it took, I don't know, 10 months or so, maybe a full year for me to not be afraid of the choice that we made that year. It took a, yeah, it took a long time. Took me about but then, five minutes. Yeah, that sums up our relationship. <laughs> what was that thing, that, that airport thing you shared or your idea? Oh, of, like it was of, this like this meme. Do you call yeah, it a meme? Yeah. Where it was like, I like to get to the airport three hours no, ahead no, of time. Like the way I have a low stress. Oh, the way I deal with my anxiety of going to the airport is I get there three hours ahead early. of time. I sit in a restaurant across from the gate and I worry for worry the next, for three, the next hours. three hours there. <laughs> Sounds like a blast. <laughs> uh, I really felt seen from that meme. I was like, yes. And I'm like, we'll catch yes. the next flight. <laughs> so we take this year off. Everyone survives. And it's just like nothing. It's like imagine you spend your whole life busting your ass to get mm-hmm. to this finish line and then you get to the finish line and you see other people like drove a car to the finish line and are just like sitting there mm-hmm. relaxed and you were like stressing and your knees hurt that's how i felt i was just like oh we're here maybe our kids knew like a little bit less but when you stack them up next to their friends and peers and each other they still learned they still grew like they're still reading books and shit yeah. and they're just like i remember f- feeling really free that like our lives weren't governed by this like arbitrary set of like your kid needs to know this by this age now it was like hard for me to do that but it was also like really nice i remember um coming up okay I say this every time I talk about this topic and people always go nuts in the comments and it makes me not want to say it, but it's fucking true. So I'm going to say it. Um, The thing that gave me peace of mind is realizing that the worst thing that can happen to my kids is that they don't know how to read. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If they don't know how to read, that's okay. There's other ways to survive. Now I'm not saying that's ideal or that's wonderful or that's great, but I'm also saying we live in this fucking classist society that says you have to blank and actually no you don't now there's benefits to reading but when we make little kids cry that are four and five years old which is what happened to me by the way and say like you need to read otherwise you are a shitty human being i think we're completely misunderstanding the point of a tool that is designed to serve us Mm. and we're now using it to categorize each other the world, yeah. our children, and... Like reading was made for humans, not humans were made for reading. Yeah, and it's not mandatory. Yeah. It's great. It's nice. But also, and I'm just telling you, I, this is what I process as the absolute worst case scenario, which didn't happen, by the way. But if we took a year off, I was just like, oh, crap, what's the but worst But it's helpful to say the worst case scenario because it kind of makes this like obscure anxiety fear thing and be like, well, what really am I afraid of? Because most people at the end of the day, and there's a whole talk on this. If you want to look it up, go to TED Talk and watch Elephant in the Brain or read the book called Elephant in the Brain. And this guy basically points out that our education system, our religious system, and our medical system 
are not, we don't dedicate as much of our lives as these things that we do for the reasons we think we do. Education is not about learning. <clears throat> our healthcare system is not about our health. If people really cared about their health, they would do the shit that's free, like exercise, eat better, and get more sleep. But they don't. Mm -hmm. These things that we dedicate so much of our time to are generally done so that we feel like good people, so that we fit in and get accolades from our peers. Mm -hmm. Now, they may also have side benefits of, yes, the healthcare system does offer some health benefits, right. and the education system does offer some learning. Mm -hmm. But the main reason why we bust our balls over these things is for social pressures, to, to feel like a good parent, to feel like a good person. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way I can make sense of the amount of energy. Because if we really cared about our kids learning, there's a lot of things we would do. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what I want to talk about today is what we do, because I actually do care about my kids learning. Who was it? Was it Mark Twain that said, like, don't let school get in the way of your education or mm -hmm. something like that? Smart guy. I heard he wrote some stuff. Um, okay. <clears throat> so we took this year off, and maybe you've heard these stories before. Stop me if you've heard them, but you can't because... <laughs> I should stop you. <laughs> um, so we started... Uh, one, one of the things this book said was the way that you teach kids how to learn, this is a tricky one, but it's not really actually, is that you model learning yourself. Not you yell at kids to do it. Mm -hmm. You want your kids to learn something, you learn something, motherfucker. <laughs> and we did it. Cammy started taking guitar lessons. Mm -hmm. I started running for the first time since since uh, high school. Um, yeah. So I started running marathons. I ran my first one with my eight-year-old son at the time. Cammy started taking guitar lessons, which then kind of launched our kids into taking more music lessons and being interested in that. Mm -hmm. which when I ran my first marathon with my son, my other kids saw it and started joining in. And you might say, well, that's not reading, writing, or arithmetic. Yeah, but music and, and physical fitness is something that is far more important to me as an adult than anything I learned in school. Which is ironic because those are the two subjects, areas that schools cut out first. PE? PE and right. art and music, Yes. Those, those things, like, go by the wayside if there's not enough, I don't know what it is. If it's Man. politics or resources or what. I was so good at kickball <laughs> in fifth grade. I knew how to kick the ball and get a home run every single time. It was indoors, so it felt kind of cheating. But if you hit it over this certain line on the wall. Yeah. Huh. Let me just say you wanted me on your team. Um, okay, so we started asking this question, but it kind of launched us down this path of asking this it's just a different question if the question is how do i get my kid to pass a test this week or turn in their homework this week it's a very different question than if you ask yourself how can i motivate my kids so that when they turn 18 they are excited about learning yeah Maybe we'll get to this, but I am just kind of trying to get into the heads of people that have their kids in school. And there is so much pressure 
I mean, the little that I did, I remember, even if it's just like internal pressure, but I think it's also external pressure from like teachers and just like the, you know, for your kid, for you, just for your kid to like do stuff, like do the homework or there's just a lot of distractions. Every which way. I mean, we have a dear friend that her kids go to public school and she's always telling me how she's villainized Mm-hmm. by the teachers if her kids like miss a day or if she takes a day off for their own mental health because they want to go to the park instead or if they, if she doesn't enforce yeah. this the teacher's requirements for homework mm-hmm. and it's like wait first of all who knows the kid better the parent or the teacher and who cares about the kid more the parent or the teacher or who's responsible and then i mean but you just see like yeah. The teachers have pressure on them, right? Like they're regulated oh, yeah. by attendance and test scores and finances and this and that. And they're like not paid enough, in my opinion. And there's just like a lot, there's a lot of unfortunate things with that. So it's kind of weird because people look at us and they're like, wow, you homeschool? And they're like, I could never do that. And I'm like, I look at them, people that send their kids to school, and I'm like, I could never do that. That seems actually like more pressure to me. I think just because it's a common type of pressure, people are like maybe more used to it. So it's... um, Also, you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know what it's like to get up, to not be in that constant like pressure or pressure So anyways, once we were out of that pressure, ours was more induced by self and peers than it was by the government or teachers because we were homeschooling we were able to ask this other question and observe the results of watching kids run 26 miles because they wanted to. Like we never forced a kid to run a marathon. It was always by invitation. And our kids loved it. This year, we didn't run the marathon, but two of our oldest kids ran the marathon, the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon, one of them without training, just because they wanted to. And it was like their sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth marathon i don't remember now yeah and like we didn't do it we didn't force them to do it we didn't give them a prize for doing it we didn't tell them we're going to take them out for pizza or Mm -hmm. there's no gold stars there's no grades they just wanted to do it Mm -hmm. and we watched this happen again and again and again where which by the way this marathon in cincinnati is the best marathon i've ever heard of for like cheering for how many people are out there cheering you, for how many people are out there passing you out, like all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> this is not a paid endorsement. Oh, it's just, it's a cool marathon, so. Yeah. What was I saying? We didn't force them. They wanted to do the oh, marathon. Yes. What they're doing. And then we have kids coming to us saying, I want to learn math. And other kids being like, I want to start a business. And other kids saying, I want to edit videos. And I want to learn how to take pictures. And I want to learn Korean for my mom. And I want to learn how to cook. And I want to bake cakes. And I want to bake bread from scratch. And I want to learn gardening. And I want to make candles. And I I think one of the things that I've noticed that like helps kids know or have like inspiration or imagination is to give them space, like mental space and even like the physical space to ask that question. Like what, is, what do I want to do? Like what, 
what interests me and to ask it for like a lot of years you know because as you're growing up you don't you don't sometimes you know and then sometimes you don't know and sometimes you try things out and and then you move on to something else because here's the thing like when i did um piano lessons i hated it and with our kids i had a very different approach where i told our music instructor up front i said i'm not making my kids practice at all if they're going to practice it has to be because they want to so and he was just starting off as a music instructor in this time so i said my suggestion to you is i want you to play the types of music and let them play the types of music that they want to hear and i said i don't care if you spend the entire 30 minutes i'll pay you the same rate but instead of going through scales just play fucking rock and roll or disney songs whatever they like and show them how cool music can be mm-hmm. hoping that they would catch the bug so that then they would want to learn the scales and mm-hmm. the notes and the sheet music and the what theory and everything that goes along with it mm-hmm. and i think it you know the reason why we're here right now is it's paid off for us um we didn't and two things happened one is we had endless hours of enjoyment instead of tears where our kids enjoyed their childhood they didn't they weren't dreading homework and reports like i was Mm. and studying and cramming but also i think they learned more and got to more of a goal that i care about than had we forced them to live in the micro all the time and be like study the test study for the exam prepare like learn these facts that i'm giving you and telling you are important Mm -hmm. which i think actually produces people that don't think for themselves if you're constantly told this is what you should do this is what you should learn i know better than you then you're gonna have a person that's like, and I know this from experience, it's hard to think for yourself and to trust yourself that you actually might know better than the person who's trying to cram something down your throat and telling you like, no, you should do it this way. No, you should do this. So my concrete example, I'll use music because that's something we're passionate about here. Instead of spending so many hours and and dollars and lessons forcing kids to learn things, might I suggest, well, I'll just tell you what we did, and then you can decide if it works for you or not. What we did is spend money on good sound systems and music. Mm -hmm. We made mixed CDs that we all listened to on road trips with the types of music that our family enjoyed. We bought good speakers and sound systems for the kitchen like ipod docks or whatever Mm -hmm. and i bought our kids front row concert tickets to some of their favorite bands Mm -hmm. because i think if you see there's nothing like seeing someone that you look up to a rock star rocking their brains out in front of a crowd to say holy shit I want to learn how to sing like them or play music like them or perform like them or write like them. Now, we all know also that that's not all it takes. Like, you can't go home off that buzz and then become an expert. Like, there is going to be some discipline. But isn't it so much better 
what, what I found is when you have the inspiration, a lot of the discipline will take care of itself. The kids will be self-motivated because they now have a picture of what they want to be themselves and they're willing to put in the work to get there. I, I've heard like, man, what was this analogy? Dang it, I'm going to mess this up. But someone said like, you know, imagine if you did Woodshop, but all of Woodshop was talking about the dangers of like how how the saw could hurt your, chop off your fingers or whatever. You need to see a finished product and build something. And then yes, like safety becomes one of the things that you learn. But first you need to like show them what we're going to build and then you build it. That's the point of like Woodshop. And I feel like a lot of our education are these like kind of like what if factoid scenario things. That analogy didn't work, by the way. It's not, I slaughtered it somehow. It's but. like obscure. Like, you know, like why are we doing this? It's no just, no one can in the ever answer that. Yeah. Other than to say like, so you can get a job, so you can go to college, so you can get a job, blah, blah, blah. So, okay. So that's one thing. And the second thing that we discovered recently, but this is, I think, um, this is a byproduct of how we've thought about things as parents and educators of our kids, is um, invest in experiences that blow your kids' imagination. This is where the role of parent becomes irreplaceable, in my opinion. Okay, anyone can teach kids math, and that's not entirely true, but it actually is kind of true. With Khan Academy and YouTube, with teachers, public school teachers, private school teachers, parents, tutors, and books, kids can learn math. Okay, that's kind of like um, that's replaceable. Um, that's a commodity, which is it doesn't make it, you know, well, yeah, it does make it less valuable in a financial sense, but. I don't want to make it sound like it's valueless. It's just like they can do it themselves. But we all have that one teacher, hopefully, <laughs> that that kind of went above and beyond the like commodity sense of teaching. I mean, I did. I had one teacher in second grade that read Ramona and Beezus books. And I can still remember to this day that that was the only time Okay, I had two years, but that's the only time basically that I would just sit there and be like, this is so cool. Like I would just I would just listen intently to what they were reading. So imagine if we spent a fraction of the time, energy, and resources that we spent forcing kids to do homework and instead brainstorm with your partner if you want how you can blow your kids' minds and give them new frontiers of imagination. Some of the things we've done, when, like I said, when our kids saw me and Seven cross the finish line of the marathon, they said, oh my gosh, this is a thing. You can do this. I want to do it. Yeah. When we through hiked the AT as a family, they said, oh my gosh, this is a thing. Now I can do this. I want to do the mm -hmm. PCT, some of them are saying. When they saw me write a book, they said, oh my gosh, you can do this. I want to do this. When they saw Cammy release an album, 
Another more short-term example, because I know some of these are like, may seem overwhelming to some people. We recently discovered this place. Um, it opened up like uh, two months ago in Denver. It's called the Convergence Station, and it's put on by this artist named Meow Wolf, who's this like artist that opens up these installations. They have one in Santa Fe, one in Vegas, and one in Denver now. And we found out about this, and for Memory's birthday, I bought her ticket to go. So Cammy and I flew out. It was a plane ticket that cost $70. We had three of them. We got an Airbnb. We flew out there for two nights, and we took her to this art installation. This art installation, you guys, it blew my mind of what I thought was possible for creating environments that inspire people, um, entertain people, and encourage them. I have a feeling like memory will never forget it. Mm-hmm. And the entire experience for a weekend was probably around like 500 bucks, maybe like 700 bucks, something like that, mm-hmm. which might seem like a lot of money. But when you're thinking of these types of experiences as like my kids' education, mm-hmm. not just like a way to entertain them. And this is what I've noticed. Like when you're in the school system um, or work system and you're just like completely worn out and burned out, a lot of people, they plan vacations that are just designed like just to get away, mm-hmm. just to decompress. But when you're not in those types of systems and you have more resources like just energy mm-hmm. and imagination and you're not burned out, you can begin to think about vacations differently and think about what are the types of vacations that will change our perspective and our vantage point on life. Mm-hmm. The AT was one of these things, mm-hmm. you know? And the AT, a lot of people say, like, well, I can't afford it. The AT for our family, I made an entire video about this on YouTube, costs our family $10 a person a day. It was probably cheaper than school. It was certainly cheaper than most any vacation I can think of. And it was even cheaper than living at home. Mm-hmm. So it's really not about how much it costs so much as what the purpose of it is, I think. Yeah. There is another cost, though, with like emotional. There's an emotional cost, I think. And when you step off the hamster wheel, even just not like we did necessarily your kids still go to school and everything but like you're doing these things that are like no one else is really doing it can be it can be hard it can be emotionally taxing especially if you don't have if your partner is not on board or if you don't have someone who you feel like is supporting you emotionally through it um, and I guess I just want to reckon to say like I recognize that because I think it can be really tough for people to even just have the imagination like well, how can I do this like this sounds great but how can I do this so I th- I feel like you know to have like small steps like like I mean this is a good example like going to Denver to the art exhibit or it's not even an art exhibit. It's like a immersive art. Um, but yeah, if, if you can find like-minded people, I think that would go a long way. Other people that are, are willing to like step outside of the box with this. But by exposing our kids to these cool environments, to cool people, and when I say cool environments, these are the things that are cool for our family. 
you find out the things that are cool for you and your kids and your family and yeah, go do definitely. those things. Don't copy us. Don't do the Appalachian Trail just because you think that's the thing. But like, we have friends that, you know, they wouldn't do the Appalachian Trail. We have a friend that takes their kids hiking and camping like once a month or once every quarter or something like that. And I think that's like really cool that they do that. Or if your kid's into YouTube, take them to <clears throat> VidCon or a YouTube convention. Or if they're into scrapbooking or Rubik's Cubing or art or, you know, just like investing in the things that they're already showing interest in. Yeah. And and just taking, like I said, a fraction of the amount of money and resources that we put towards school. And, even, and we all invest in school. If you pay taxes, mm-hmm. we're paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to this one kind of like gambling on this one methodology that we think is going to work. Now, here's I, I, I mentioned that we we're going to get into the second topic, which is money. And um, I want to hit on this because I think this is important to a lot of people that they think the purpose of education is to prepare kids to get a job so that you can make money. Mm-hmm. And while I don't primarily see it that way, I, I think there is some credence to it. And I want to lay out why I think this is a good idea if you care about finances for your kid. And that is school from its inception trains people to follow directions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, yes, they teach math and reading, writing and arithmetic, whatever. But if you look at the majority of what's taught in school, it's actually how to follow directions, how to be subservient how to obey, how to turn assignments in on time and do what a teacher says, all of which prepares most people to go and get a job. And their teacher becomes their employer. Yes, the role of their teacher is filled by the role of an employer that says, okay, now you do this. Now you show up on time and give me these three items. Okay, now that's fine. I think that worked. I think there's a strong case to be made that that is going to be working less and less in the future and it already has been. The types of jobs that can be done while following directions are the types of jobs that are being replaced by robots and lower paid employees. So if your primary way of preparing kids for employment is by sending them to school, I think that is gambling with our kids' future and far less stable, lucrative, and valuable than it has ever been in all of history. And the types of things that are always going to be valuable, in my opinion, or at least not replaceable by robots, are things like the arts that um, robots cannot do. Mm -hmm. Things that inspire people and educate them using cutting-edge methodologies they're like these artistic mediums that robots cannot come up with Um, they're not programmable yet and it's like things like music and storytelling and storytelling is not just writing it's like editing video it's writing music it's 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 writing emotions too Mm -hmm. that i don't think robots can do these things we pay big money for We pay money to see them in movies. We pay money to see it on Netflix. We pay subscriptions. We buy the books. We rent the videos. 
we go to the places like Disneyland and Disney World and Convergence Station, all to have these types of feelings and to be inspired and to feel like we're part of a bigger thing. Mm -hmm. And robots cannot do them. And I don't think school does it very well either. School does not train for these things. Mm -hmm. And and they can pay well. I mean, I'm I'm going to give one example with our uh, with one of our kids. Uh, seven is fifteen. Seventeen. Seventeen. There you go. Uh, but I think he's had this job since he was fifteen, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, so at the age of fifteen, because seven edited video for our vlogs since so, he was twelve or thirteen, which is. Um, like a, there's a lot that goes into editing with timing and music and storytelling. Uh, he started editing for other vlogs, and he's actually looking for more work now. Lately, we've been doing a um, one one hour a week business meeting where we talk about um, his business goals, and he wants to start an editing company now because he makes mm -hmm. something. He's been making thirty to thirty five dollars an hour working out of his pajamas on his own schedule without a high school diploma. I mean, I never got paid by any boss $30 an hour, mm -hmm. even as a kid. Like, and I was driving around doing hard-ass work. Mm -hmm. um, and this is like minimal effort for this kid. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's like, it, it's, it doesn't even... He can kind of do it as a piece of cake. sleep almost now because he's done, been doing it for so long. But this is not... And like, because he cared about it and enjoyed it, the amount of things that he learns and you guys know this like it's like when you your kid pulls up the computer and starts like pushing all these buttons and accessing all these things you're like oh what the hell how did you learn all that yeah. well like when you want to find the website or upload the game you like figure out how disk images work how gigabytes work and storage and internet and wi-fi and passwords like you get you learn all that stuff because you're motivated mm -hmm. <clears throat> which you pay you started paying him right at 13 for to edit our own vlogs our family's stuff. Some point, yeah. It's a, yeah. Uh, for a year or two, I just treated it like a school. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't remember at what point. It was like after the AT, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and now he's meeting with me and investing in stocks and uh, cryptocurrency and wanting to start businesses. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling him, I'm continuing to tell him to invest in his own creative work. Because hmm. I think it's going to be worth the most. Mm-hmm. Worth how? What do you mean by worth? What I mean is like, you know, I don't know. It's the it's the hardest thing to do. Like my own story. Okay, so I loved making videos in high school. And then I got lost when things went digital and I got intimidated by it. So I quit for, let's just say, 15 years. And then I started a video company. And I got, I started making a ton of money. Like I was making a million dollars a year at this video company. So much so that I didn't have to mess around with video anymore. I was just like hiring people to do all the video for me. <clears throat> well, the funny thing is, I'm, I was actually pretty miserable. And this kind of comes uh, at the point when you started the story, when you said we were like, I was working a ton. And by working a ton, I mean like 40 hours a week. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but you weren't, yeah, you were working time, but you were managing. There's a lot of pressure. On yeah, you. managing people and uh, not hanging out with my kids as much as I wanted to. And then I started asking this question, if I could do anything, I had, I had enough money now, I didn't have to think about it anymore. I was like, if I could do whatever I wanted, what would I do? 
you know what the answer was? Make video. Videos. Make videos. <laughs> so then I basically quit the video company where I'm making a million dollars a year to make vlogs that I got paid nothing for for the first three years because we were too dumb to even turn on ads. <laughs> so we... Well, I think I was just revolting. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to I'm not going to do it. It's not going to be about the money. And And you were happier. I was happier. Yes, yeah. making vlogs, interacting with an audience, putting my using my voice. It, when I was working for the video company, I was making these client videos that were just sucking the life out of me. And yeah, I was making money hand over fist, but the, at the end of the day, what's the point of the money? Mm. Like Alan Watts has this incredible 5-minute clip where this businessman comes to this fisherman in Spain who's fishing with his son and he fishes all day and then he comes home and eats the food with his son, the fish, they cook it. And he, the businessman is like, you should get another boat. And the guy's like, why should I get another boat? He's like, well, then you could hire more fishermen. He's like, well, why should I hire more fishermen? He's like, well, then you could make more money. He's like, well, why should I make more money? He's like, well, then you could start a business. And he's like, well, why should I start a business? He's like, because then you could have a whole fleet of boats. And he's make, like, well, why should more money? He said, why should I have a fleet of boats? He's like, so you could make a lot more money. He's like, well, why should I make a lot more money? He's like, well, then you'd have time to sit and eat fish with your son. And he like looks down at him and he's like, oh. This is already happening. You're eating fish with your son like right now. Mm-hmm. But we have this weird way of looking at it where it almost takes some of us 20 years to get back to doing the thing that we originally loved because we got sidetracked by finances. And, and I think a lot of our education is driven by finances subconsciously and some of the most unhappy people you've ever met have been multimillionaires um and that's the cost that that businessman wasn't showing that fisherman although the fisherman probably instinctively knew that or something fisher they yeah the, the fisher person was like i already have everything i want why would I want to bog myself down with more and more and more and more? So, yeah, I don't know. I those are that's our story, and we have numerous other stories of kids that are do, like. I I really want to come back though to like you were happier. Why? What? Why? What made you happy about quitting this job? You know that that produced all this money to going from that to producing was it because it's your own work well to go back to this you have to understand my uh, high school Ben. okay yeah i would slave away in the video editing booth at our church Mm. putting mxpx punk rock songs to clips that i filmed of like the sunday school or whatever because they had, they were the ones that had all the editing equipment that they gave me access to. Mm-hmm. I would spend hours like getting the intro just right. This is all on tape, you know. So if you fucked it up, you had to go back three minutes and do it all over again. Wow. Um, I would make these like slideshows, these end of year slideshows that were sappy as hell and <laughs> fucking make make the girls cry, you know. And I loved it. I loved fitting the music uh, mm-hmm. with the. Um, the video footage and capturing the feeling and conveying these complex messages and these three-minute things. Yeah. I remember um, this person hired me to film their wedding. Or they said, will you film the wedding? I was like, absolutely, I will. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, I got all this food. And then they gave me like 200 bucks. And I was like, oh, you're going to pay me? Like, I was just, it's the type of thing I would have done for free because I just like liked doing it. Yeah. And um, at some point, I think I was like, oh, well, 
you don't have time for that. You got to do the real stuff in the in life, which is hard and sucks and involves reading, writing, arithmetic, and mm-hmm. making money. But I think if I would have stuck with the video thing, now I can see. I mean, YouTube didn't exist then, but now I can see like, oh, people that make videos that they like. So mm-hmm. I talked to Seven about it, and and he, he told me about this uh, Instagram video he made. Sorry, I had to reset the camera. Oh. Yeah. He told me about this Instagram video he made. This mm-hmm. He makes these magic videos. And he said, I thought about this one video for like, it was like three weeks or something. Hmm. He's like, he couldn't get the idea out of his head. Yeah. And I was like, you got to make those videos. Yeah. I mean, he did. This was a basketball video that he made. Yeah. And he just, he wanted to see it. So he made it. And then he saw it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't get the reaction that he was hoping. He, did. he goes, I didn't make any money off of it. I'm going to say Instagram. Sure. You know, he doesn't have enough followers. He didn't get as many likes as he wanted. But I made a thousand videos for for Fight for Together before I wrote my book. And um, and I think, you know, a lot of these people, I mean, it sounds cliche, but, you know, the Beatles spent however many years in the strip clubs in Germany before mm-hmm. they started touring. And a lot of kids <clears throat> or people don't see the behind the scenes that goes into perfecting mm-hmm. a craft. But, but if you... Whatever it is, that thing that keeps you up that you want to see in the world, mm-hmm. that's what I'm encouraging people. That's like not less than what the school system is teaching you. Mm-hmm. And if you, if we as parents can find those things that our kids gravitate towards and pour gasoline on them. Well, first and, find them in yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And yeah. then invest a thousand bucks into it for yourself or for your kid. Yeah, That's what I'm saying, this convergence station thing. So now we're going to, Buy plane tickets for the entire family. It's probably going to cost a thousand bucks, maybe fifteen hundred. And I know some people are like, "Well, I don't have the money or whatever." But whatever fits your budget, a lot of it is just time and intention. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's no money, but it's spending an hour a week or encouraging your kid. Like I wish someone when I was in high school would have said, "Hey, your videos kick ass. They make me cry. Mm-hmm. I hope you keep on making videos." I wonder if that would have been enough for me to to make the hurdle. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. I was like, you said you're intimidated. I was like, man, what if there was someone that would have like saw your passion and spurred you on somehow? Like that that could have, you know, that could have been a game changer for you. Yeah, I wish. And for me, I feel that way with music. Like if someone would have seen like this like passion in me for like singing and just like music and how I was always humming, you know, if I would have started sooner. And I, and it's okay that, you know, we didn't, that that's our story, but uh, that can be different for kids, the kids in our lives. I don't have anything else to say, mm-hmm. except maybe if you wanna leave a comment, there's two things I want you to leave comments about on YouTube. One is, um, what are they? Uh, oh, are there things that you use to inspire educationally yourself or your kids? We mentioned concerts, mm. convergence station, art exhibits. Yeah. Any other ideas out there? Yeah, and I would love to hear what people are already doing you know what are you already doing if there's people who have thought about this stuff and they can see 
certain passions and interests that their kids have or they themselves have if you don't have kids or even if you do have kids and what have you done to pursue those things number two what would you like to hear us address on this podcast because i'm out of ideas (laughs) actually that's not true i have one more Mm-hmm. which we're going to cover next week. It's going to be a doozy. <laughs> I'm going to say it now so that it's like accountability. Okay. To, um, cool. So that I um, don't chicken out. Yeah. It's going to be about, let's just call it psychedelic parenting. Okay. Hang on, I need to find a sound effect for that. <laughs> I think this one will work. Nope. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, but for people that follow our Instagram, it's probably not a huge surprise that I am a supporter of psychedelic uh, topics. So, but that's next week's topic. But then after that, we don't have anything off the top of our heads. And I would love, if you want, if you enjoy this podcast and if you want to hear more, then um, those are the ways you can contribute to the conversation. Also, you can buy my book, 2,000 Miles Together, or Cami's CD if you haven't already. Um, also, dang it, there's something else I was going to ask you later. We could also bring back the questions from listeners. Uh, no. You didn't? That took too much work. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, see, I, I didn't do that work. I so. like it. I really liked it. But I have to screen them ahead of time. I have to cut the uh, audio. Yeah. I have to import it. Got it. It's really like a, it's a technological issue. Got it. Um, oh, I offer coaching. Did I tell you guys that? I don't think I have. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I still do. It's kind of like a side gig, but you know what? I really enjoy it. So I'll go ahead and toss out there. If you would like to be coached, On this particular topic, um, like inspiring family members and kids, I think I'm pretty good at it, Uh, Mm -hmm. at least better than I used to be, and I like it, Mm -hmm. Um, and I love talking to other people about it. So there is a link below for uh, Patreon, and the only thing I really use Patreon for is for people that want to sign up for coaching. It's like a monthly thing. Yeah. Um, And I have spots available. So like once or twice a month or does it it's like once a month but i'd be willing to do it more but once a month seems to be yeah fine Mm -hmm. for most people so yeah check that out if you're interested in that uh that's all i got anything from you thanks for listening thank you for listening to fight for together we'll see you next time